Rebecca had always wanted to live in Hicksville to be closer to her primary newsbeat. She covered whatever story was assigned to her, which took her all over the island, but she mainly covered the local government and school news in and around Hicksville. However, with the birth of her child only months off, she considered not working at all. If Andrew was true to his word, he would take care of her. Andrew now preferred seeing Rebecca in private, usually at her apartment. Long Island was a populous area, but still small enough to run into someone he knew. He had always taken Rebecca to places that would mitigate that risk, but luck also played a huge role. Though not famous, he worked for and with many prominent citizens. After Rebecca was in her second trimester, Andrew felt more confident about her pregnancy. Alice's three miscarriages weighed heavily on his mind. He reminded himself that Rebecca was not Alice and everything would be good. One morning upon arriving at Rebecca's apartment, Andrew told her he had found a nice lot between Jerusalem Avenue and Bloomingdale Road on which to build. He asked if she wanted to drive over and look at it. Do you like it, Andrew? Certainly I like it. But you will be living there, not me. If you like it, that's good enough for me. Rebecca knew that area of Hicksville. It bordered the Bethpage School District. It had to be great. She threw her arms around Andrew's broad shoulders and gave him a kiss. The talc from her morning shower made Rebecca smell like a baby, but her substantial breasts pressing against his chest made it obvious that this was no little girl in his arms. How long will it take to build? Hard to say definitely. Talking as a contractor there's the purchasing of the deed. That could be a month or more, but probably on the short side since I'll not be taking out a mortgage. The deed should definitely be in your name, not mine. We have building permits to obtain, and that means a house plan. Fortunately, I have lots of house plans. You should be the one to choose the plan. I will be happy to advise you. Then the materials list needs to be developed and purchased, and then getting all the subcontractors. Wow. That will take years. No, it won't. This is what I do. I can get all this done in time for you to be in the home with the baby in the crib, on your first day out of the hospital. And that's another thing. The baby's name. But let's have that conversation another day. Rebecca was bursting with excitement over the prospect of owning her own mortgage-free home at the age of 27. But she beat down her ebullience not wanting Andrew to think of her as only being concerned with what he could give her. During 1987, two major events were happening simultaneously, home construction and fetal development. By May of that year, Andrew had completed all the groundwork to start construction of his second family's home. Most houses around Hicksville, Levittown, and Bethpage were simple box-frame construction. The explosion of homes in the 1950s resulted from returning GIs starting families and moving out of the city to the less expensive suburbs. Toward the end of that month, the concrete foundation was poured. From there, things moved quickly. Andrew put a rush on Rebecca's home and had capable journeymen to push things along. The frame was up in a week. The second week of construction resulted in windows, doors and siding, making the nothingness from the previous month into the recognizable appearance of a home. It was at this point, Andrew walked Rebecca through what was soon to be her dream come true. Be careful. There are blocks of wood and bent nails all over the place. It might be hard for you to see them. Andrew pointed to Rebecca's belly that had started showing. She was still able to get around fairly nimbly with her biggest problem being her swollen feet. It looks beautiful. I just can't wait. You will be living here sooner than you think. The next time you see it, the drywall will be up, and it will be painted. 
then it won't look so small. Andrew told her that houses always look smaller before the walls went up. He called it an optical delusion. The home was a split level with over 2,400 square feet and three bedrooms and two full baths. This was much larger than the Levitt homes predominating most of the surrounding area. This was about the time when World War II vets were well into middle age and beyond. They had paid off their reasonable mortgages and started expanding the size of their homes. Many did this in spite of the fact that they were now empty nesters. It was a good financial investment. Rebecca would return three more times during the next two months. She picked out aristocrat kitchen cabinets with ample storage. Andrew suggested a large island in the kitchen. The electricians and plumbers completed their work which had only been stubouts until this point. With hardwood floors in the kitchen, tile in the bathrooms and carpeting in the bedrooms and living room, Rebecca had her home. On her last site visit made in mid-August, Rebecca proclaimed. I knew you were good, but you are really an artiste. Andrew, it's heavenly. Not so fast. Honey, don't you want air conditioning and heat and water? Of course I do silly. After this child is born, I am going to thank you properly. Give me three more weeks, then you can move in. Of course, I will get someone to handle that and you will only need to do the simplest of things. You are approaching your due date, and I forbid you to exert yourself. You can pick out stuff for the nursery, but I will be doing all the heavy lifting. Is that clear? Rebecca rested her head on Andrew's chest. That was her affirmative answer. In September, Rebecca was in her new home waiting for the new tenant expected to arrive only weeks later. A new baby boy entered the world on the last day of that month in 1987. His father visited that first day in the hospital, and the paternal bond was unshakable even through the glass partition. Andrew sneaked into Rebecca's room and kissed his child's mother. Andrew, you shouldn't be here. My mother and father are here looking at their grandson in the nursery. I thought you said they were divorced. They are divorced from each other, not from me. I'll be quick. I've hired a nurse for you. I wish I could be there at night, but you understand. My mother is staying with me for I don't know how long. I will let you know her plans when I find out. After she leaves, you can get the nurse and visit me. We can work out a schedule. I certainly don't want an around-the-clock nurse, even if I am on my own. Are you okay with the name we discussed if you had a son? I'm okay with it. But doesn't it worry you having a child with your same last name? What if someone gets suspicious? Suspicious of what? We are in New York. There must be a million Thompsons. It's not as if my last name was Macaroni, or Lichtenberg, or some shit like that. No one will even give it a second thought. Isn't he my son also? Rebecca, I am providing a great deal of financial support to you as well as our child, but I went through a lot on the hope that this day would come. Name the boy Dennis, after your father. I think that Dennis Thompson is a terrific name for a president or a doctor or maybe a lawyer. The name thing was settled. Rebecca did not want to hassle Andrew on this point. It was not that important to her. She had a child, a home, and the freedom to follow her own dreams, whatever they might be. When they arrived home, Rebecca's mother was astounded. How the hell can you afford this home working at a local newspaper? Rebecca had anticipated this very predictable interrogation. If you must know, I had an affair with a rather respectable and well-positioned man in government that I met while reporting. He wanted me to have an abortion, and I refused. His family is quite wealthy, and he agreed to support Dennis and me in return for my silence. 
I captured the golden egg and believe me. I will stay mum on this whole embarrassment, if only for the sake of Dennis. So why didn't you give the baby your last name? That makes no sense unless the man's name was Thompson. And why then would he want to advertise his indiscretion? Rebecca had an answer for that too. Naming my son Dennis Thompson was my idea. One day Dennis will be in school and I wanted it to sound as if he had his father's name. The name choice was arbitrary. Rebecca's mother thought this whole account concocted. But she did not intend to pry the truth out of her. She knew her daughter too well. Dennis was a godsend no matter the circumstances. After a couple of weeks, Rebecca's mother went back to her own life. She and her father had both remarried other people and moved on. With her gone, the part-time nurse and nanny took over. Andrew could visit Rebecca and his son whenever the coast was clear. Rebecca, you made wonderific little boy there. Thank you Andrew. And thanks for the help. I couldn't have done it without you. In spite of the fact that Andrew could never be Dennis's full-time father, enjoying the company of his son openly, he was content in the knowledge that just a few miles away, his son was living strong and in good health. The first few years of Dennis's life were the easiest for Andrew. Children are accepting. They do not really understand if they are rich or poor, healthy or delicate, or even if their life is normal or unconventional. They have no frame of reference. But they do know if those around them are protective or cruel. They know if they are safe or abused. And most of all, they can feel love or rejection. Andrew and Rebecca wanted to provide their son with a full and happy childhood. He felt the need to explain his desired role in his son's life, sensitive to the fact that Rebecca was the caregiver, and he was the absentee father. I hope to visit you and Dennis every week, if I can. There may be times when work or the situation at home constrain me, but I will always try. Being the boss gives me the freedom to slip away for a few hours. I want Dennis to know me as his father. I hope that if you go out on a date you do not bring the man back to the house. As I promised, I will never drop by unannounced. If you were to remarry, I will be sensitive to the situation, but I'll always be Dennis's real dad. And totally in his life. Rebecca was not especially receptive to Andrew's tone. They had discussed this thing ad nauseum, and she did not relish being lectured. I just had a baby. Already you have me running around town with every Tom, Dick and Harry. Why don't you give my body a chance to recover first? I suppose I am being possessive. I love you Rebecca. I can't help the way I feel, but I still want you to be happy. If that means getting remarried, I will accept that and adjust. You live in your own head Andrew. Have I ever given you a reason to doubt me? I love you too. I can't say where life will take us next year or in five years. I really don't dwell on it. Andrew, come here. Rebecca drew Andrew toward her in a seductive way leaving him no doubt as to her intentions. What about Dennis? He's a baby. Babies sleep a lot. Rebecca walked Andrew into the spare bedroom not wanting to wake Dennis lying in his crib next to her bed. Andrew learned that he could satisfy a woman in a variety of ways that did not involve conventional intercourse. Rebecca was a creative and eager teacher. Without embarrassing Andrew, she showed him how to please her, and he learned he could still feel the excitement of being with a young beautiful woman. Isn't it too early for us to be doing these things Rebecca? Definitely not. I'm way over the age of consent. And why didn't you bring this up before we got started? Anyway I'm fine. My body is practically back to pre-Dennis form. 
Andrew and Rebecca stayed in each other's arms until the dentist's alarm sounded signaling he wanted to eat or to be changed or both. Hell. I hate to leave you to deal with this alone but I've been gone way too long. I really need to check on the job. I got this, don't worry Andrew. Thanks for dropping by. I'll see you again real soon. Dennis's first year of life in his brand new Hicksville home was idyllic. His mother was home round the clock, except for when she took some alone time. Then the nanny took over and Dennis got special attention from a pediatric nurse hired by Andrew. Dennis's father visited him nearly every week, and after his son was about three months old, there was no doubt that Andrew became Dada, even though Dennis could not yet say the words. In December of 1988, an alarming event occurred that nearly upended Andrew's private life. Dennis was nearly 15 months old and Rebecca bundled him up to go Christmas shopping. The Broadway Mall was newly renovated having been called the Mid-Island Shopping Plaza for over 30 years. Dennis was chauffeured in a deluxe baby stroller conducive to napping. Alice Thompson had the same idea on the same day dragging her husband along with their 13-year-old daughter, Linda Rose. Linda Rose, like most teenage girls, loved to go to the mall. Usually, Alice drove down Route 110 and shopped at Walt Whitman, her mall of choice. This day however, she convinced her husband to drive to the new-look Broadway mall. Andrew was not especially curious, having worked on some of the renovations during the past three years. But for Linda Rose he was game. In front of Stern's department store, Andrew heard a little voice Dada. calling. Dada. Andrew looked over Dada. seeing his son and lover. Rebecca quickly intervened. Dennis, that's not daddy. My son has been calling every man he sees Dada. It's very embarrassing. This was the first time Rebecca had seen Alice Thompson. Andrew would never so much as show Rebecca a picture, knowing that it would make his real life too real. And baby Dennis was inches away from his teenage sister, Linda Rose. I teach small children and believe me, this is not at all unusual. I'm just glad he didn't call him old, or fat. You still might have that to look forward to with someone else one day. Alice's pleasant and understanding reaction evoked a sigh of relief from both Rebecca and Andrew. Rebecca quickly scurried off. Not wanting a repeat performance, she decided to leave the mall. In the future, Rebecca and Andrew tried to alert each other of outing plans whenever possible. The week following the shopping scare, Andrew called Rebecca asking to see her. He thought it was time to set up a trust account for Dennis's future. He wanted his son to attend college. I certainly agree with that plan. I wish that I had gone to college right after high school. At least you returned and got a degree. I never had more than a few business classes and then gave up on the idea of a diploma. I don't think it hurt you. You are the most successful person I ever met. You went to the school of life and totally got it. I am so proud of you. I never want you to feel ashamed or that you missed anything. Those years you weren't in school were better spent learning about construction. And then you picked up the business end better than any old college courses could have taught you. Andrew was pleased with Rebecca's words. I did all right, but it's not an easy life. I want much more for Dennis. That's why we need to guide him toward a good profession. Who knows? One day he may be president. Let's not wish that on our son. Rebecca always followed the news and saw how President Reagan's eight years in office had taken its toll. The new president, George H.W. Bush would take the reins in January 1989. I think maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. The boy just turned one. Anyway, 
You mentioned your brother was an accountant and could be trusted with our secret. As much as I hate the idea of letting anybody in on our relationship, we need to trust someone. Andrew. Believe me when I say that Robert would act with absolute confidentiality. It benefits him as well as Dennis and me. Blood is thicker than water. Set up a meeting with him and let me know when and where. I will make the time for this. Andrew's son was his soul. He needed to provide for him as he did for Linda Rose. He met Robert Walsh the next week on December 17th. He had told his men to stay home. The temperature was 27 degrees and Christmas was nearly at hand. His construction company had a long holiday break, but Andrew had personal business to settle. He could see the family resemblance. Rebecca's brother was a young-looking man only a couple of years older than his sister, but he had an up-and-coming accounting business. Andrew felt comfortable with his new confidant. Yes, I can help. I would do anything to assist Rebecca and my nephew. How would you like to proceed? I don't know how much you know of the current finances. I have been depositing funds into an account for Rebecca since last year. Now I would like to increase my contribution in order to set up a trust fund for Dennis. Rebecca would be the trustee and you will administer the trust. I am funding this from some properties and I want those in Rebecca's name. It will provide an ample income for living expenses as the trust builds. By the time Dennis is ready for college, he should be all set. Of course, I hope to see him graduate. I will be pushing it by then but I'm in pretty good health. Robert assured Andrew that all would be arranged by the new year. It's a great personal relief for me to see Rebecca and Dennis so well situated. You're a good man. I'm a father. I love my son and I love your sister. I'm simply taking responsibility for my own. You'll need to manage the properties as part of the arrangement. Let me know if there are any maintenance issues, and we'll address those. Andrew felt a sense of relief. He had his son and Rebecca set for life and whatever life might toss their way. The years passed quickly. Too quickly. To Andrew's gratification, Rebecca never remarried. That fact never prevented Rebecca from enjoying herself by having a night out with friends, often leading to a romantic evening. But Rebecca was always discreet and especially responsible when it came to her son's care. She always had Dennis visit his uncle Robert's family or arranged for her nanny to stay the night. As she promised Andrew, she never brought men to her house. Dennis was an inquisitive child and started wondering why he never spent time visiting his father at his place. He was old enough now to understand his parents were divorced and lived apart. At around nine years old, Dennis started pressing the issue. He truly loved his father and wanted to spend more alone time with him outside the confines of his house. Andrew complained to Rebecca. I'd have to find a place to live, just so Dennis can spend a night with me. And think about the time involved. How do I explain where I am to my wife when Dennis is with me? Dennis doesn't ask much of you, Andrew. He idolizes you. You must know that. A child senses when his father loves him, not always by his constant presence but from the things he does. I've told him that you are the one providing the home he lives in and the clothes he wears. You spoil him to death with the toys you give. That baseball glove he got from you was more than gold to him. You've made him a lifelong Yankee fan just by watching a game with him on television and explaining the rules and who the players were. I suppose he would be excited to see a Yankee game with me. And I do own apartments, and I usually have a vacancy or two. In fact, my apartment building in Rockville Center has a vacancy right now. I expect I can furnish it. That's the idea. Sleepovers do not have to be regular occurrences. I think he's just curious about where you live when you leave here. Once in a while, take him on an adventure, 
Sleep at a hotel. He would love that. In a few years, you can explain why it's awkward for him to visit. You could tell him that you've remarried. He would understand that. You're right. I can make it work.